Hello, Maxine Simata Kavithit Kamraig, Ryan and Rob. Hi, Maxine here, Ryan and Rob's Welsh translator. The Hing Grando are Podlidiad Newith, Fearless in Devotion. You're listening to Fearless in Devotion, a new podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here they come, our mighty champions. Raise your voices to the anthem. Marching like a mighty army, Wrexham is the name. On all to Fearless in Devotion with Reese, Tim, Andy, and Liam. No Liam uh, today for this part of the podcast. God knows what he's up to. But um, manager, we still haven't got a manager. Any any rumblings on what's going on, Tim, Andy? No, not really. I mean, depends on you. Depends how much you read into the betting, doesn't it? It's all about Mark Hudson at the moment. Mm. Supposedly nailed on favourite. Um, and there's been a tweet earlier this morning that he, he commented about Danny Ward, but I think he was in the the same team as him at some point along the, along the way. So um, nothing much to read into that. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know, to be honest. It all seems to be a little bit too cute, but then it goes back to what Bryn said in the pod last week. He wasn't expecting anybody in the week just gone. And so it's proven. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe next week, who knows? But no no, no obvious random rumblings or anything. I think... Uh, he, I think, didn't he? Say, who, who said that they, they wanted it? Was it Keith Hill said he wanted it? Oh, oh well, let's ignore that straight away then. Yeah, <laughs> let's pretend that crack, didn't happen. Cracking player, cracking player for us, but um, he's not exactly pulled up trees as manager. Yeah, so we'll 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 let that slide off. I think it'd be interesting if it is Hudson because it will it will say a lot to me about where they want to go, and they mm. won't want your old fashioned. Mickey yeah. Mellon sort of manager. They don't want someone to come in and say, right, this is my club. These are the players I want. They yeah. want something more that someone who will work with them. And I think they'll pick the players more. I think the likes of Les Reed and, and Sean Harvey will pick the players and they'd ask someone like Hudson. Obviously, he'd have his input, but to coach them, to make them, to, you know, to, to Hutch, mold the Hutch, team. Hudson. Oh, hello, Sean Connery. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, in the chairman's update, it was it said manager slash head coach, didn't it? So yeah. I you know the guys on the on the Rob Ryan Red podcast sort of discussed this as well. In that you know, is that a nod to the fact that it is going to be that kind of setup where we have like a director of football kind of uh, role? And, and you know, I think we discussed this last week, didn't we? It may have popped up where. You know, you look at how Notts, what Notts County did, you know, they obviously sacked their manager mid-season. There was a lot of discussion about who they'd bring in and, and they brought in basically a total unknown. Uh, mm. But he was very highly regarded uh, by the owners um, as an up-and-coming manager who could be with them for maybe a few seasons. You know, Chesterfield have got a young manager, obviously, as well. Um uh, in row, so you know that does seem to be in sort of in vogue uh, for once of a greater expression. And he too also failed to get Notts County out of the playoffs yesterday, losing fourteen to Torquay. So that bodes well, doesn't it? Yeah, it should have gone for Gary Johnson, old star manager. Hey, absolutely. Oh gosh, yeah, imagine. Well, maybe if Gary gets him up, we'll get. No, I don't think Gary's interested, is he? Um, he's, uh, he's signed a new deal. He's, he gets a nosebleed north of Bristol, I think. Okay, well, um, no Liam today, but we, we've had uh, an email in again. This is this Prediction League's punishment is just uh, being a bit of a nightmare. Mark Griffiths from Welshpool. Um, thank you very much for emailing in, Mark. He said, thoroughly enjoyed the Brynlaw episode, as I've enjoyed every episode. That's very kind. Thank you. Compelled to write in, as I was one of your correspondents, to suggest the punishment of finishing bottom of the Predictions League. I deem it irresponsible to wear a Chester top for the first home game, as clearly... 
security could not be guaranteed. Seriously. Therefore, may I suggest the old Twitter biopic option as I wish to listen to you all on forthcoming podcasts. Um, you only need to do it for the first game to protect your own well-being and we can all take screenshots. Well, Liam's not here, so let's just pretend we never got that email. And uh, <laughs> What email? Mark who? Yeah, sorry. Delete. That's gone. Uh, <laughs> thanks for emailing in, though, Mark. Um, we'll, we'll mention it to Liam when he comes in. And we'll, oh, no, we'll... Liam will we'll absolutely see. This is a good test. Does Liam listen to his own podcast? <laughs> there we go. We, we won't mention it. And then if he brings it up, he brings but, it up. But let's be honest. Mark is making a good point, isn't he? <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it's, it's sort of... <laughs> All right. I'm not preaching to the converted here. But, you know... I think as long as we're with him and people know that it's a joke sort of stag do thing. Yeah. We've got a fantastic guest lined up for you today that we really hope you're going to enjoy. Former Wrexham manager, Kevin Wilkin. Um, what were the sort of headlines for you, Tim? He was a, he was a real joy to talk to, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, it was, it's, it's a bit of a blur because, you know, we had him on, what, he came on at half eight and we were still yapping, gone well past half ten in mm. the evening. So that's credit to him for giving up his time. He had a lot to say. Um, one of the main sort of reoccurring themes throughout all of it was that he was so humble and he was so gentlemanly. He didn't want to hang anybody out to dry, apart from Andy Gilpin. And you can all <laughs> see about that later on and why he did that. Um, but he just he just comes he carries himself really well. He kind of intimated that you know if if he did had a really experienced number two, and um, we might have. Uh, really achieved the, the objective of what he was what he was seeking um to do yeah. in the first place. Um and how how his appointment came about really um in, in the sort of first part, you know, he felt privileged to to sort of be given the chance to manage. Um and then we went over his eye for a player, which you know he had no um harm in in, in hesitating to agree with that. You know, he, he likes mm. fighting unearthing a gem and, and watching him flourish, as has been the case with Louis Melt, Dan Backman and so on and so forth. And it's no surprise you know, the reaction that we've had on Twitter to, you know, saying that he's coming on, a lot of people seem to think quite highly of him, Andy, don't they? Yeah, and I think, and I did touch on this with, with Kevin, in all through our non-league era, I think Kevin's transfers were the best. Hmm. He's managed to, you know, and we wanted someone, you know, we wanted someone to come from from non-league, no non-league, and pick out, pick out the best non-league players. And I think he did that to a certain degree with Louis Moult, but I also think he managed to go higher and pick players Mm. as well. So, you know, all through the recruitment was really good. Now, the tactics, and I think Spencer alluded to the fact that he didn't think the coaching was good enough. Well, well, Kevin does address that as well. Without further ado, let's not put in words in his mouth. Fears I interview that we conducted earlier this week with Kevin Wilkin. We've got a guest on that we've been after for a while. Um, we've had a good mix of guests since we started this podcast what, over three months ago now, I think. Um, we've had players, we've had um, translators to the stars, and we've had a player manager in Andy Morrell. This time we've gone for a straight up former Wrexham manager, um, and we're delighted to have him here. Welcome, Kevin Wilkin. Hiya. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, Kev. It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, I don't know where the time's gone. <laughs> I think it was back in sort of 2014, I think, um, we appointed you as manager. Um, take us back, because 
it doesn't feel like a long time ago, but as as everybody on this pod will testify, um, uh, one season is a long time in in the eyes of a Wrexham fan, let alone six past. <laughs> so just take us back, if you would, to um, the, the very beginning, how, how that approach came around, um, who, who who took the call. Did, did you think, what, what was the thinking for you? Was it, well, I deserve this moment. Just take us through that process of how it came about. Um, I think, you know, I was doing fairly well at, uh, at Nuneaton at the time, football-wise. Um, if I'm being honest, um, work-wise wasn't going quite so well. There were one or two difficulties there. Um, about six months prior to, for, for a period there, you know, like my work life wasn't uh, wasn't great, if I'm being honest. Uh, as I say, the football was, was very consistent. We were doing fantastically well at Nuneaton. Um, the job, you know, the job became available, uh, sadly, you know, and Andy and move aside. And, yeah, you know, I felt I'd apply for it and interviewed for it on a couple of occasions and was, for, you know, really, really fortunate to have been offered the job and, you know, very honoured to be offered the job. It was a, it's a, it, it, it was and is a, you know, very sought after job and, um, you know, will continue to be in the future. So in terms of that process, I mean, from, from the outside looking in, we just think it's, I mean, I suppose in this day and age, it's, you know, they, they are very, very um, cautious as, as to who they appoint and especially given Wrexham's track record in the past for, you know, we, we had the, the sort of security and longevity under Flynn over a vast amount of years, well over a decade. And then we sort of went through a succession of managers in a short space of time. So how, how do they, how was that process? Did, did you say were you interviewed twice and, and did, what, what was the expectation from you? Did you have to give a presentation or so on? Yeah. Yeah, so um, initially uh, Don, Barry and Spencer sat in on the panel. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd done a presentation to them um, and then was, you know, fortunate enough to get invited back and there were, I think, obviously other, other members of the Supporters Trust and what have you that were there. It was uh, and pretty much presented the same thing, fielded the questions that, you know, on both occasions and, as I say, you know, Don rung me and, and, and wanted to offer me the job. So, yeah, naturally uh, delighted. Um, things I should have probably boxed off at the time and been a little bit clearer about would have helped me moving forward. But um, look, you know, at, at that stage, where we'd got with Nuneaton, and that was really difficult to lead, leave there. We were, you know, I think after 10 or a dozen games, we were top of the league after struggling the previous season. Um, boys that were really you know I was quite close to and, and that was a difficult difficult to leave but you know I needed that progression and I felt I was ready for that progression and you know they, they don't come any bigger in non-league than Wrexham do they yeah yeah that's true enough um and in terms of before we get into the nitty-gritty of everything uh, I mean anybody who comes in to this particular job where there's a huge degree of expectation not just from within but from the fan base did you immediately feel that? Was that, uh, 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 with the greatest respect to Nuneaton Town, I imagine that was a, a fairly notable, noticeable difference from when you took on the job. Did, did you feel that pressure from the off? No, I don't think it's pressure. I don't like to view it as pressure. I think, you know, I always say pressure is when you can't get up and, and, and go to work in the morning. That's That, that for me, is pressure. When you're, yeah. um, when you're fortunate enough to, to, to be doing the job that we do and I'll never lose sight of that. Um, 
you know, I, you know, I didn't see it as pressure. Yes, I had a, uh, a duty to do, and, and, and I was representing, a, you know, a whole lot more people than I was at Nuneaton and um, carried their hopes and expectations. Um, but that was something that, you know, I, that I really wanted and, and, and you know, I really, really enjoyed. Um, yes, there's going to be bumps along the road. It's never going to be quite as quite plain sailing. You'd be incredibly fortunate if that does become the case. Um but yeah, you know, it it didn't phase me in any way. Um, you know, I kind of learned and um, had a reason. You know, fairly uh, long career as a player. wasn't great as a player, but you know, learned along the way. I managed to break into the full time game and made the best use of myself. Learned, picked up quite a lot of things through that. Lucky enough to to you know, like I say, with Nuneaton to get into um, good position and get some promotions with them and learn along the way and. Like I say, it was it was a you know a dream job and one that I was never gonna gonna refuse and um, it came about at the right time for me. Um, obviously, as it as it panned out, it didn't pan out quite the way I, I would have liked it to. But certainly, I hundred percent have no regrets of taking that job and even with the you know difficult circumstances that it did throw up. You mentioned um, you wish you'd had stuff sort of boxed off or clarified you know, before you started. Can you elaborate on sort of what you, what those things Yeah, were? you know, the, the, certainly the one thing I should have, I should have been more diligent with, with understanding what the budget was um, and really nailed that down. That was very, very vague. Um, that, you know, I'm only myself to blame. It's something that I learned at the time. And having said that, you know, would it, would it have changed my decision? Probably not. You know, I believed in what I was doing. Um, I knew what you know the players that I wanted to try and bring into the club. Um, I knew those players would progress us. Um, you know, some these jobs come about because obviously there's an issue there in, in some way, shape, or form. And um, you know that that issue was probably deeper lying than than I first realised as well. Again, it wouldn't have stopped me taking the job. Um, and yeah, you know it. it, it <laughs> Bits and pieces that you pick up and you learn from, and you you know you, if you ever get the moment and opportunities again, obviously you, you know you try not to make those little little mistakes and ask those small questions that, that can make a big difference. Well, we had Andy Morell on the podcast, and funnily enough, I'm not sure if you you heard what he said, but he, he said that it was basically the fact that he wasn't backed that he felt he had no option but to leave in a way. I know the results turned, but I think the point he was making was he wasn't really allowed to rejuvenate the squad did, did you speak to him before you started or were you uh, aware of that at all um yes I was aware of it it became more apparent obviously when I moved into the position and understanding quite the dynamics that were going on um and you know I was privy to those those situations prior to obviously agreeing to take the job and it's only when you sort of get in the building that you realize you know what the undercurrent is and, and, and what's going on um and it, you know, it, 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 was it an issue moving forward? Yeah, it was. It, you know, there was an issue there that that was a tough uh, was tough to manage. But I thought I managed it pretty well, uh, all things being considered. Um, we, you know, Andy Andy says he he, he wasn't backed enough. Um, you know, and I, you know, I'd have felt the same. Um, I felt I spent, spent the money really, you know, quite wisely. I think I brought good players to the club for the budget that we had. I know the budget that was there before me um, and probably prior to that. And, you know, I don't want to make excuses about, you know, about the budget. 
Um, it, it is what it is. There's kind of two things that are going on here. And it's, it's one is, look, the trust have got a job to do and a, and a really difficult job. And it's not about me, really. I know we're having this discussion tonight, but it's not, you know, it's not as such about me. Um, you have to look at the trust and, yeah, do I feel a little bit sore because the trust got rid of me how they did and when they did? Yes, I did and kind of do a little bit, but, you know, it's, that, that's not the important thing. But, you know, for me, the most important thing is what the trust has done. And I think, you know, I look at it and, and when I reflect on the whole situation, so if you take the trust, um, take that aspect of it, you know, I think the people have, I know, you, you know, supporters, you feel maybe a little bit hard done by in certain ways. You know, I can quite easily point out that if you're a Stockport supporter, you know, having to deal with the Conference North and, you know, if you're a Hereford supporter, if you're a Berry supporter, now you've gone out of business. For me, the people of Wrexham should be incredibly proud of what they've done. They're, you know, you've got so much, and I've, you know, listened to a little bit of Bryn's podcast and uh, I think you've got so much to look forward to now and fully deserve that. I think it's been really difficult along the way. And when I, when I have to put the put myself in the position of the uh, of the trust, um, you know, they've got a really difficult job to do. And I understand, you know, these guys that were, that were in the trust were doing things for the right reasons. And as I say, I need to separate my own personal situation and from that and understand the situation they were going through. These are incredibly successful businessmen you've got running, um, running your, you know, our club as, as such. And, um, they want to make money and they want to, you know, they want to get a business concern, albeit it's a football club, but they want to get it back in the black and great credit to them. You know, they, that's what they've done. Now, whether I feel a little bit sore or, uh, you know, Andy feels a little bit sore through the whole course of this, it's ultimately been the right thing because, you know, you're, you're in the black now. You've got, you've got so, so much to look forward to and, you, you've done a fantastic job. Everybody at that club, and there's fantastic people at, at the club um, that, you know, look at it, you know, they tell me the story when people are walking down the mole road wanting to save the club and demonstrate and these sorts of things. And, the, you know, the guy that was prepared to remortgage his house to save the club. And, you know, uh, I know people not the... Um, not what the trust is and some of the men on the trust, you know, like Spencer, I think Spencer's what I can pick up has come on, has had to stand there and take a, a bit of the flack. And to me, that's a little bit unfair. The guy's there and he's trying to do it. He'll make some decisions, but every decision he makes is within the best interest of the clubs. I know that. Do I agree with him sacking me? No, but, you know, that's that's what he had to do. I understand the, the you know, the dynamic of it and someone's, th those guys aren't there to, um, to take the flag, you know, they don't, they live in the town and don't want to get the, the crap that goes with it. And some of the, you know, I can't defend some of the, the, um, some of the results that we had along the way, you know, losing a home to greatest respect. And I don't wish to be disrespectful to any of the other clubs, but losing at home to Telford, that's not good enough, regardless of what budget I've got. Losing at home to, um, Dartford, that's not good enough. Away at Brain Street, that's not good enough. And I'll, you know, I'll hold my hands up to that. But within that, you're in a process, and maybe we'll, you know, come on to that a little bit further yeah. down the line. But like I say, you know, where where it's gone to, and 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 the fact that the club didn't end up going out of business, credit to to everybody at Wrexham and people that have salvaged the club. Yes, there's been questionable decisions made along the way, um, 
but but to be in this point now is no less than everybody at that club deserves. And as as Brim rightly pointed out, you've got so much to look forward to, and I hope everybody enjoys the ride moving forward. And you know, I generally hope that the club gets you know back into the football league and, and starts to climb. It you know it isn't sleeping John, no two ways about that, and has massive potential. To, to your credit that you say that, I think you've been very modest as well, Kev, to be honest, on a few things. And perhaps before we come on later on chronologically to sort of how you left, maybe let's go on cheerier stuff to start because you alluded to the fact that you kind of did well with your, the budget. And I think any Wrexham fan would wholeheartedly agree with that because talk us through some of those early signings you made because, you know, they went on to be very, very shrewd signings. Yeah, you know, uh, again, you know, picked up on some of the bits that, that Spencer will have said about, you know, sort of how I was as a coach and what have you like. And there's certain bits that, I, you know, that I could say there that I think how difficult it was for me when I went in there with no no assistant. Um, you know, you've got the Glendora um, Academy running alongside it as well at the same time. So, you know, I went in there on my own and... and <laughs> just on that note you know just think that they could have been more transparent with the you know with the whole situation and um yeah you know if, if there'd been more transparency it probably would have been easier but going back to the signings I'm sorry I'm waffling a little bit but you know going back to the signings you, you know Louis Moult um obviously probably the, the headline one that uh, again, you know, will have made the club a few quid. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, how many other players have signed in recent times that that have done as well as Louis has. Um, no one. <laughs> well, <laughs> Connor, you know, Connor Jennings is another one. Um, you know, come in has had a fantastic career and done done really, really well. Um, you know, whereas York is back with me now, um, didn't quite step up. And again, you know, you you. you I don't think the budget, if I'm being honest, was great. I think it's the lowest probably any Rex have managed that to work with in recent times. I had to spend it really wisely. Um, I wanted to invest it into the players. I had no assistant at the start. You know, people ask me why, why I took Gary as my assistant. And, you know, that was probably a little bit embarrassing for the club, how that came about. But I had to, you know, plead for, for to get somebody else on board. Michael Oates was there the previous season, sponsored by a couple of supporters, to, to you know, somehow we you know had to find money to to, to bring Michael back across and, and work with me it was a fantastic help. Eventually, you know, Carl Darlington came. I know people recently have moaned about Carl, but you know he's, he's, he's a terrific coach, and, and him and Dean have done a fantastic job this season. And very unfortunate to, to have missed out, but certainly Manny Smith, another signing that you know I took in, and, and uh, he was my most expensive signing played 61 game for us. I think I got value for money there. Um, Blaine Hudson, you know, that's a, there was a rookie centre-half that wasn't very, you know, was very, very cheap in comparison to what, you, you, you know, com- uh, conference national size would be playing. And um, then we had to, you know, get into the loan market. And if you look at, you know, some of the loanees that I took in, you know, the likes of Kieran Morris that's kicked on and had a fantastic career, James Pearson, you know, I had to beg, steal and borrow. James came in and, and we got him for nothing. He didn't cost us any money. Um, Dan Holman, people, I think there are people that question why Dan Holman didn't play more. But again, you know, you've got Connor, you've got Louis. You've got, I've got to keep Bish on board. He's under contract for another year. Um, Luke Waterfall, you know, Sam Finley. By and large, I think, you know, I think I, I made some pretty reasonable decisions and, and spent the money very wisely. I always tried to spend the money as though it was my own money, so I was really careful. I think my housekeeping was pretty good. 
Um, you know, the couple that didn't work out, Scott Tancock wasn't as good as I as, as I'd been led to believe. Um, yeah, you know that, that he didn't really pan out, um, but most of them, you know, done done pretty well for us. But I think you look at the overview with it and keeping the lads that we had to. Um, that, that, <laughs> I suppose, like the issue that, that they were to the board, um, that we had to keep on board, that were sucking up a lot of money, weren't. Well, they weren't problem lads, but again, they you know they sort of carried forward the overhang from Andy's era. You know, they felt they had to still fight that 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 fight that they were the club wasn't being backed and all the rest of it had to try and manage that situation. You know, yourself, there's only one winner in in, in these situations, as I said earlier. You know, the board at the time are successful businessmen. However, they go about it, the players aren't winning in this situation, and that that undercurrent was there and, and you know when the club couldn't afford to pay up these players I have to deal with it and when you look at it in the round getting to Wembley or if, you know didn't pan out how we wanted you know playing Stoke in the FA Cup appreciate our league position didn't move forward um, to, to, to quite this pace that it that, that everybody would have hoped um, but you know all, the, all through that process and it is a process that's probably what disappoints me most is you know, I needed another season to clear the decks totally. Gary was lucky enough to come in and clear the last bit of, the, of those decks. And, um, yeah, you know, we got, I think felt he got the benefit of that. Um, you know, the players that would have taken in the following season, you know, I maintain would have, would have progressed us again. But kind of going back, like, to the, to the squad and, and what have you, and, and, and sorry, you know, I'm saying quite a lot at the moment, and I, I hope I'm not... Not boring, but you know, you look at the, the squad that we had to deal with and, and how we had to, you know, the improvement we had to get out of the likes of, you know, Robbie, Robbie Evans and Ross White and people like Anthony Stevens and Steve Thomason, great people. Um, couldn't quite step up to the challenge, and you know, partly probably down to me, but you know, the, the proof of the pudding is they haven't kicked on and played consistently at this level. We, I had to try and get a tune out of them because that, that was what we had and what I had to deal with. Theo Bailey Jones, Andy Coughlin, you know, they, <laughs> they, you know, they weren't as such my, you know, my frontline choice, but I had to work with them because we had, couldn't afford to get anything else. Well, you know, if I go back to the, the seasons where you've had your 98 point season and what have you, um, you know, the, the profile of, of those players is far ro- more robust than, than, than what by and large I could bring together. Um, you look at the likes of, you know, Danny Wright and Jake Spate and, you know, your Andy Morell and your Mark Crichton, you people like this, the list goes on and on. You know, I, I wasn't fortunate enough to be able to bring together a group like that. And that's where I think everything being kept in, in context, you know, you sort of look at it and was it just a success or a failure? You know, let people judge that. But I think when you understand uh, um, the parameters that I'm working to, you're probably, you know, better in tune to, to, to make a decision if people still feel that, you know, I didn't do a good enough job. I have to take that, don't I? Going back through that list of players, though, Kevin, I mean, you've got to give yourself some credit because some of the names I, I, I'd forgotten about, to be honest, you know, the likes of Sam Finley who went on to play for Accrington. Um, given that your budget wasn't great, you've got to be, in, you know, pleased with the side that you were able to assemble under those circumstances. Yeah, you know, yeah, I stand by it. You know, I think that, I think there the, the were good players there. You know, Luke Waterfall, look what he went on and achieved. Hopefully, you know, prove to people that, you know, I can, I hope, spot a player. And, you know, Spencer says, my, you know, my coaching wasn't where it needed to be. But I think you look at it and, 
you know, those players progressed under me. Um, however, that was, you know, whether that's, you know, the, the, the coaching that he wanted to see, probably not. But I think the proof of the pudding is that, you know, they, they, they did kick on. And when you look at it again, not in isolation, but you look at it in a round and what we've had to deal with. And as I said earlier, you know, some of the results that we got, but that's, that's part of the process of understanding um, what a player is capable of dealing with, you know, technically, can they, how, how well can they work physically? How, how, how capable are they? And probably more importantly, playing at the at the race course is mentally, can they go and grind a game out? And, you know, can they, uh, have they got the mental ability to deal with, you know, when the crowd turns and it can turn and we all make use of those situations as managers and understand that, you know, I've been to Stockport many times and, um, you know, come away with a result because you understand if you can keep the people quiet and, and, you know, get them going the other way a little bit after the first 15, 20 minutes or whatever and put them on the back foot, you know, it's not an easy place to be and people can overlook that. Now, you know, looking at like Robbie and Ross and their local boys and they've done great for me. And, 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 and uh, you know, all those boys, you know, they, they had a go. They're not bad people. Um, you know, I was asked that along the way, uh, at Dover, you know, the, the, the microphone thrust in my face, uh, you've got bad apples in the camp. I don't think they were bad apples. I, I, I think what happened was there was this undercurrent of the budget being cut. They felt they weren't back. They wanted to fight Andy's cause. And as I say, it, it was something that was lingering around and there was only going to be one winner. And, you know, I still had to work with those players. They were expensive players. And yeah, you know, Fish came up to me and he played at Southport uh, when I was a manager at Brackley. And what a great bloke. He cut after the game and he came up to me and he said, uh, someone apologise. I said, what for? He said, we didn't help you anywhere near enough. And and like to, to be, you know, to have the humility to come and say that afterwards, great credit to him. Um, what a nice guy. Don't say me and Bish always saw eye to eye. And I'm not saying I always played him as, um, as much as I should have done, but... To, to have that and, you know, to step back and reflect and, and have the, you know, the, the humility to, to sort of put your hands up in that situation speaks volumes for the man that he is, in my, in my view. Kevin, can I, what I will say about your, your tenure is all through our non-league, I think you're, and we touched on it, I think your ability to pick a player was probably the best we've had. Because even in the Saunders era, where a lot of players came through the door, you know, they were of varying degrees of quality. And I think Andy, even Morel, you know, inherited the best lot of that. When you came in, yeah, for the budget we had, the players we got, I think, I think was very good. So, my question's twofold. What, what, what is your process? Do you sort of look at the, every player that you look to bring in? Do you trust Do you trust agents or scouts? And secondly, is there anything Wrexham could learn from what you do now? Can you get me the job in the recruitment at all? <laughs> you know what? I, was, I think I was, it's a no-brainer, mate. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> if there was a job of chief scout, I would give it to you every single bloody day. <laughs> Can we, we also need to mention Dan Backman as well. I think you brought him yeah. in. I, I can't, I, you know, I can't take all the, the, the credit for all of them. You know, uh, Dan was a, was, you know, they came, he came to us for no money, um, and it was a fantastic addition. You know, I maintain to this day, uh, if we'd have had Dan Backman playing at Wembley, we'd have won that game. Um, it was lightning quick off his line. We wouldn't have given Ferriby the impetus of the penalty. Um, I'm pretty sure we'd have saved their third goal as well. Cough didn't have the best of times. And look, that you know, going back to what you asked me about my process of trying to find players, you know, I look, I have to look at 
the physical, the technical, and the psychological, and whether they're capable of dealing with situations. When you you wrote a very interesting article, Andy, at the end of it that, that left a little bit on me when I, when I went, and um, you know, it, it, I'll be honest with you, it grated with me a little bit. Um, I don't think personally you needed to do the write the article in the way that you did, but look, that's my gripe, and I'll tell you how I feel. Um, and you know, you, you, you know, you you alluded to there. What I should have been doing was was looking at a style of play with something like ten games to go at the end of the season. What I wanted to do was put those players in their correct positions that we had. We still need to get results. I still needed, I felt that was a chance and an opportunity to try and build some momentum going into the close of the season. Lots of those players that I inherited, um, you know, pretty soon worked out weren't good enough. Some of those were still with us that I felt weren't going to progress us, and. As I said earlier, you know, I've, I've, when as, as a player, I was you know looked and tried to observe players and their capabilities, the mental strength. Mental strength is a big, a big thing in the game. Lots of players that are technically very good, but but can't impose themselves on a the game. How does a player? How does a player impose himself on a game? What is his? What are his qualities? You know, is it that he's a good passer? Is it he's a good talker? You know, Dean. Dean managed to play for a long while because he can talk and he can organise and you know he can understand and read the game. Very experienced player, um, and had a you know had a part to play in our in our season when I managed and piecing it all together. Um, clearly, it comes down to budget and what can you what you, you know what you can afford. Um, and you know I'm always look trying to look look and get value for money, uh, and I'll always you know work any budget that I've had and I ha- I've always had to. Um, to, to try and max it out and get and, and get value for money. I'm spending, you know, your money at the end of the day. Excuse me. And those players have to understand, you know, what it means coming into any group that I'm trying to pull together. You know, Kevin, I read that article back today and I was, I was asking myself, was that fair? Was that too harsh? I mean, on one hand, it was right after a trophy final where I thought we should have won. So there was still that bit of yeah. rank, rankling. 100%. But, 100%. But, you know, I, I, I still hope I got across there that we always liked your recruitment. And yeah, maybe... Listen, you, you know, the parts of that, Andy, like, I'm not saying it was totally unfair. You know, you, you, you acknowledge those, you know, certain moments in it. And, uh, and equally, you know, I step away from it and I understand, you know, you're a supporter and you have to go, you know, write an article and, and I totally, you know, no issue over that. And you, you'll be you'll be as disappointed as I was to have lost at Wembley. And I understand it, you know, those moments are going are, are gonna to come out. You know, I'm only just responding to them and trying to put my side of the story, really, so that you can understand, you know, kind of, and that's where I talk about if the board had been a little bit more transparent about certain situations, Andy Morell would still be in a job. He'd still be there with you now. Uh, you know, I genuinely feel that. And, and you know, probably Andy may say that he made one or two mistakes along the way, and we're all learning. Um, as old and as, as ugly as we're getting, we're still, we're still all learning. And, um, you know, I think Andy, like I say, he could have still been in a job. You know, terrific guy. Um, but... <laughs> when you feel like, like he's, you know, didn't feel like he was getting backed and again, if the board could have been a little bit more transparent with him, it has still been there and the process would have continued. And I just, just don't, you know, I don't personally, I think, you know, like you, you guys know better than I do. It's been a little bit of a revolving door and 
for not always the, the board's fault, by the way. You know, sometimes like with Sam Ricketts and, and Dean went away and whatever, that's not always their fault. And and sometimes you're exposed to that sort of situation. You're a little bit of a victim of the success that you may have found in a small way. Um, but it, yeah, you know, it, 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 you know, going back to that article, it was. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, like I say, look, you know, I was, I'm, squirm, I'm sure. Kev, make him squirm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Kev, I'm Kevin, Kevin, what, I, what I will say is, whatever, whatever <laughs> we left on, we'll always have those 85 minutes at Stoke. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's Kev, I'm actually, I'm annoyed you brought it up because I had actually loaded the article up, and I was, I was ready to throw Andy under the bus, and you stole my <laughs> stirring. <laughs> you know, credit to it, you know, it, it certainly touched a nerve with me, and and. and, and um, you know, you guys, uh, just you know, just how difficult it can be for for managers. You know, you, you again, you know, the Wrexham way. Oh, oh, we want to play attractive football, but I think Clive's pointed out that the one thing the team, the the, the, the team that the great team that he played in was, it wasn't always very very attractive football, but it was certainly effective. And you, you kind of when you you know to look at the season as a whole, you kind of look at the times when you've got to go away and grind a result out because that's what you have to that's a that's part and parcel pretty much of any team that's successful at some stage when you're there to be shot at um and you're you know top of the league or floating and around it you've got to have that ability to grind and i fully agree you know some of the you know the rubbish that that, that i served up at times i i get what you're saying and i, I can't i couldn't well, i can't go out and, and pull it apart because i've got players that are you know relying on me at the time you know, I fully agree. It wasn't always the most attractive of football, but certainly there's got to be an understanding. You sometimes have to, you know, grind it. And you'll you have seen that with, I think, with Dean's team this, this season. As time I was going to say it's all relative, Kevin, because, what you know, we, what we had for the last <laughs> couple of couple of years yeah. hasn't been brilliant either. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and listen, I don't, you know, it's not wrong for you guys as, as supporters to, to expect to see good football. That's the... That's again going back to the transparency of the trust. If they, if, if if they're if they're informing people of the expectations to a reasonable level, I think people at Wrexham are not stupid. The, the, the problem becomes when you know they, if they're constantly telling because they've got to put spends has got to put bums on seats, which is not easy in itself. And 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 that's what those businessmen want to do. They want to make money and they want Wrexham back in the black. And that has to be understood. Um, you know, you, you you can't always have the, the, the sexiest of players and play the play the best football that you ever want to play. And um, you know, the race course, um, people want to come there. You know, the opposition want to come there and perform and be dogged and horrible. And sometimes when things aren't going quite your way, it's a it's a challenge. As you, as you guys, like I say, as you know better than any. Um, and that and that's you know, let's hope you know the next manager that comes in as does. Does end up shopping in a you know a, a different store and ends up bringing players that are capable on all fronts to 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 you know push you where you belong. You know, just looking at that, um, one of the things I mentioned in the article was this isn't the Wrexham way. Now, over the last couple of years, I'm not sure what the Wrexham way is. I tell you what the Wrexham <laughs> way is. The Wrexham way is getting out of this bloody league, and I don't care. <laughs> How we do it? It can be any way possible. Exactly. That's the Wrexham yeah. way. So I'll concede that. I'll, you know, bright attacking football is brilliant. Get me out of this league. That's yeah. all I care about. Kevin, I just wanted to to pick up on that last point you were making because I think you were referring to what Spencer told us before, and what you know he said he. 
he wasn't that they didn't feel the trust were being were over exaggerating. But I think that was is what he was saying in as many words in saying that they had to persuade uh, fans to get to come to the turnstiles, and a way of doing that was to say we've given this manager a war chest, you know, and that wasn't obviously happening. Were there times where you were just pulling your hair out because you wanted to tell people, I haven't got any money, but yet you have got to sort of go along with this impression? Yes, exactly that. Um, you know, I've got, to, I've got to try and get a tune out of all those players. I've got to, the undercurrent from, you know, the previous regime was still there and, you know, they didn't look too fondly upon the board and I've got to get them playing for me. Um, I've got to get these youngsters. I've got to give them a voice within the group and there were lots of them. You know, we, another great guy, Colin Williams, who's a supporter, who's a psychologist, and he came to work with us. Um, and, you know, he used to get him in to do sessions at the at the club. And I know, you know, I think Dean came from me a little bit, questioning some of the, you know, the sessions that were put on and what have you like. But within all the, you know, the process of when I'm looking at players, I don't want to make it easy for them, whether that's, however that is, and however you, you put them, to that test, I want to feel that the player's really there with me and, and with his teammate. And however that comes about, and I'll put them through um, tough situations, uh, whether they're a little bit antiquated, maybe. But I want to get to the bottom of that player and I want to see how much, you know, the guts that he carries. Can he really be standing there at the end of a fight? I've got a player with me at the moment. He's my captain at, um, uh, at Bradley. He's been with me a lot of time. Uh, he's in the team of the league season uh, every year. Um, you know, and he's the one that I didn't get. I'm pretty sure we'd have been in the playoffs that year if we'd have got Gareth. Um, that the the centre half, isn't it? He's he's been yeah, with you quite yeah. a bit. You know, and uh, he, Andy. He, you know, a lot of those guys. And as I said, they're, they're not bad guys. They were good guys. They were challenged. Andy was their friend, um, and they wanted to fight his cause. And fair play to them. Um, but they had a bit of empathy with me coming in. I think. Um, but yeah, you know, Gaz, he's one of those that I want in my trench. He's been with me on several times. He's helped me get promoted out of the National League. He's taken me, taken me to the top of the uh, Conference National. He's won a, you know, he's won a trophy for me. Um, you know, Gaz would be the first to admit technically um, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, that wouldn't be his forte, technical football as a defender and somebody that's got a, a little bit like Sean Pearson, I would say, and that's not doing Sean any discredit as a, technically. Um, but as a leader, uh, as somebody who's going to pull it all together and understand the art of defending, he has that in abundance. And by the same token, you know, he's, he, you know, as a character and setting the tone within the group, um, that's the player that, that, okay, you don't get 11 of them, but the more of those you can get in your group, uh, just the stronger I feel, you, you know, you can be. And you need, you certainly need a few of those in the group to, to be successful, in my opinion. Right. Where do we go from here? This is the next. Question. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's 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 engaging stuff. It really is. It's good. It's, it's, it's good. To, uh, I, I think Barry Barry Horn's no. had a problem with the press, and I've never had a problem talking. Have I? I do go on and know, but uh, apologies for that. <laughs> you mentioned oh, Barry. Sorry. Was was there ever any issues with him or any any members of the board? Did anybody have more of a of, a, of an involvement than they should have done, perhaps? Again, I've no axe to grind, you know, with Barry. Um, he had his job working at the school and, and I think the board wanted some understanding of what's, what's happening day to day. Um, you know, Barry, it was tough for Barry. He had a busy job at the school and other things in his life that he had to worry about. And, you know, 
uh, Barry couldn't do any, wasn't able to support me any more than than the next board member, really. Um, you know, he popped in, he wanted to see how things were running, and, and I don't think he had too many gripes about it. I think he, I think somewhere he came out and said that, you know, I, I, I wasn't great in front of the media and what have you like. I get that opinion, but I don't know. I, I, like I say, I'm not really sure. I think the board wanted to feel a comfort from having a link up uh, with me and between them. And, you know, Barry's got an understanding of football. Um, I think I think they all knew how difficult the job was going to be. They all knew the undercurrent that was happening within the, the, you know, like within the changing room. And, you know, we had to try and, you know, work that process through. And, um, you know, I felt I was getting there. I think some of those boys, you know, kind of felt it was last chance to loon if I, you know, they knew they would be moving on and it came as no surprise when they were moved on and, and you know the, the the decks were clear so to speak from from that that previous sort of era you, you've mentioned a few times about um the undercurrent you know of the former players um being perhaps loyal to Andy uh, and a bit pissed off with the board from this by the by yeah. the sounds of it how could you just talk us through how that manifested itself? You know, did did you feel that you'd walked into a, a dressing room and there was a core of senior players who just you couldn't get on your side because that that's that's what it sounds like. Yeah, um, I couldn't get, them, I suppose, fully on my side. There was, you know, there was there was I don't know exactly what would have gone on, but I think the fact that you know, Bish, I guess, would be good friends with with Andy and, and Dean would be good friends with Andy and look they're good players and they want to play alongside good players and when you when you feel that the club's not backing you and I've, you know I've had one or two players at Brackley that expect me um, to be putting good players alongside them that that becomes an expectation of a player because they want to be successful you can't fault them for that equally you know they've got a They've got to worry about their own ends. And, you know, that's okay. And you carry a bit of weight as a player and, and your voice carries a bit of weight when you're doing well. The moment you <laughs> you aren't doing quite so well, you kind of fade into the background a little bit and, and they've got to understand that the shift of power is, is moving away from you. And players, you know, players doing well do carry a lot of power. There's no two ways about that. And probably more power than they should. Um, it's the moment, as I say, things aren't quite going your way, that, that that power starts to shift the other way a little bit and you become a little bit less uh, sought after, so to speak. So, yeah, you know, I, I was aware of it. And I, I, like I say, I don't think, I don't think they're, you know, they're bad people, um, but they really needed to part of that situation up. And, and <laughs> to, to a point, I guess they did. And they would, you know, I'm sure if you were to ask them, they would turn around and say, hang on a minute, we, you know, we got to the third round of the FA Cup, we a few minutes of beating Stoke. Um, we've got to a, to a Wembley final. Should have won it. Uh, didn't credit to to you know North Ferriby. Who, um, yeah, you know they've done fantastic to fight back on the day. They show great cuts, guts, but um, you know, and, and we started to to improve other other situations at the at the club. You know, trying to um, speak to um, get more involved in the community. I tried to really progress that. Well. You know, the, the boys that I got on board that lived in, you know, the house that uh, the guys used to lodge in. And, you we're know, we're aware thing. of the house, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. The house has got legendary. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, I've got those guys. And, and I like to think that um, Gemma and Lee would, would say that hopefully, 
you know, I tried hard with those boys to to get them into the community. I kind of, you know, understand that we need to be, be fostering the next generation of Wrexham fans and getting into schools and places like that. And for me, it's not enough just as a, uh, you know, as a player to, to uh, you know, at Wrexham just to turn up and um, do your bit and clear off home and go and do what you do at home. You've got to put a bit more in than that. And, you know, like I say, those, you know, those boys that stayed up here were more than happy to do that. And we were slowly shifting the culture. I think we improved the discipline on the field as well, not as much as I'd like. Um, but it was moving the right way, I think. Um, you know, those bits and pieces it, within the whole process take a little bit of time. There were moments of madness discipline-wise there that, you know, that I wouldn't have been happy with. And find moments that, when I look back, you know, two points here and two points there and a point there, probably would have, you know, probably saved me my job and give me a little bit extra time to, to complete the process. So, but, you know, that, that wasn't to be. And, 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 you know, what happened, happened. You're being very generous. You know, you're clearly a gent, Kevin. You know, what were these senior players? Did you feel that there was just something in particular they weren't buying into it? Were they not, were they not buying into training? Like, how did it manifest itself, you know, if uh, you're willing to speak about it? Yeah. Um, I, 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 you know, being in the changing room, you know, feeling, like I said, you know, I know, you know the feeling when you, your players are with you, and certain things, like I said, going back to the getting Colin in to do to do the psychology sessions and what have you like. The young mm. lads at the time that were given a voice, you know, your Nick Rushton's and and Robbie Evans and and people like that and Wes really bought into it. Whereas some of those senior boys, you know, chose to really want to try and dismiss it a little bit. And it, you know, again, that's building a picture for me all the time. And the mm. You know, within within, like I say, I talk about a process. It's like I'm understanding about them, and um, I needed to shift the culture of what we were and try to change those things. That takes time, um, and those little bits and pieces that saw Kyle went into the, you know, again, he's a good friend of mine. We took him in on loan, and you know, when I listened to what he says afterwards, and it just wasn't nice what you know what he had to say about that about the changing room, which kind of tells me everything. I'm not not in a tittle tattle and all the rest of it, like. But when he steps away, and I guess some of the things that that were said in there, you know, um, the dominance of some of those some of those older players, you know, clearly they want to maintain that dominance, and it can be in a, you know, there's no harsher environment than being in a in a changing room full of guys that are you know loads of testosterone flying around there and want to be the dominant ones and you know somebody making their mark and coming through the ranks and showing it and as I say they weren't they weren't bad guys um at all but you know when you're when you're moving towards maybe the end of your career where you're not quite the, the, the player that you perhaps were you know perhaps it perhaps it does surface a little bit more and you know, again I have to understand that you know that this is their livelihood we're talking about like, you know, they want to cling on to their livelihood. I've gone into change rooms on trial at places as a player and, you know, little kid in the corner that, that steps up from non-league football trying to work, make his way in, in professional football. It's a daunting and intimidating place. Um, people don't want you in there because you're after their job and their livelihood. Uh, and it's, you know, sometimes when that that is the situation and it isn't healed together and you haven't got that close-knit and it takes a time to build up those relationships and situations and that that won't happen overnight and it certainly won't happen if there's players there that, that are trying to row against the tide a little bit and that's unfortunately what we had.
before we um, sort of dig deep into the, the Stoke game and the North Ferriby thing and and, and, and your eventual eventual exit, I think now is a good time as any to, to lighten the mood a bit and let's discuss your your fearless moment, which is what we do on this show. We ask every one of our, our guests to kind of come up with a particular moment where they kind of got the, the most sense of pride from their involvement in the club. So in regards to your time there, what what stood out for you as the one that, that gave you that, that, that greatest sense of pride? Uh, it would have to be leading that the, the moment uh, taking the lead against Stoke and, and probably, you know, getting close to, uh, you know, what would have been a, a, a terrific upset um, goes close, but being able to lead, uh, lead the team out of Wembley, I have to say, is, is probably my proudest moment. We, we'd actually, um, within the group, we'd, um, Les Jennings was obviously very ill at the time. Um, um, my big hope was uh, that he could. All right. Uh, and when we won at Torquay and, and uh, me and Gary went down to the hospital to see him and, uh, yeah, tough. Good guy. Good guy, Les. Good guy. Great really guy. guy. Yeah. You know, Les was really kind to me and uh, um, that was, I wanted him to lead the side out. Yeah. You see you getting emotional about it because I, I remember, because I, I used to do a little bit of press for the club and, um, even then, like Les always had this, um, and Andy will know as well because Andy's worked alongside him, same with Liam for a bit. He had this um, knack for getting along with everybody, not for the purposes yeah. of making his job easier, but just because of the per- person he was. Um, and I remember he was just bouncing ideas to everybody. And you know, if there was a con- if there was a contentious decision in a match, he'd have the pictures up on his laptop ready for you to go. Yeah, like Kev, Kev, yeah. come have a look at this, come have a look at this. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure his grandson listens to this podcast. So that would be lovely for him to to realise that. Was, and it's, it, uh, Timmy was a fantastic help to me. Um, you know, when I went into the club and, and, and understanding everything, and, and, and uh, you know, always there and always willing to help. And uh, he knew the club inside out, didn't he? And he, you know, he was a terrific guy. Um, and we obviously didn't realise he was as ill as he as he was and. Mm. You know, he's what Wrexham's all about to me. Um, you know, humble guy that that, that just uh, just he was, he was Wrexham only through and through, and he was always there. And you know, Les would always crop up when you needed to go. And if we were, you know, um, delivering some season tickets or what have you like, you know, Les would jump in the car with us and we'd go around there. He'd be taking photos, and you know, what a fantastic and terrific character. And many people like that. Are, at the club, you know, um, that you know that helped me along, you know, along the way, and it just would have been really nice for him to. He deserved that moment more than anybody. He's far more ingrained in the club than I'll ever be, and, and like I say, it just would have been such a true moment. And it, you know, it was it was it was a very emotional moment when he kind of realised that he couldn't be there. So for that, you know, to to think I was kind of representing him and and, and everybody, it was a very proud moment for me. Just wish I could have sang the the, the anthem. Like, I mean, Welsh is not very good. But, uh, <laughs> it's certainly a, it's a, it's a very stirring anthem, and, and you know it does you know bring about the passion that we all feel for the for the club. Did Spencer not do enough teaching the anthem? Jenny was going to try to, and uh, I'm not the brightest, so um, I think she probably gave up <laughs> a little bit. Like, but um, 
No, it's, it's, it's terrific. It's the love, you know, managing there and hearing when they started singing it and whatever it still brings here, you know. But his hairs on the back of my neck stand up is terrific. And, that you know, that's part of um, being lucky enough to represent the club and, the, the, you know, the passion that, the, that there is within the, the town and the group and the, and, and the club. Um, you know, as a manager, you can't, you can't just... I can't expect that passion to be turned on and off like a tab. That passion's always there, you know, and if, if we get a poor result, of course I have to face the music and, and understand that people are not going to be happy. But by the same token, if we get a great result, those people, boy, do they let it be known and, and enjoy it. And like, you've got to have it both ways. You can't just choose to have a good bit about it. And unfortunately, there were too many poor days within my tenure that, that, that you know, people would have vented there. They're upset at it. And, you know, I understand that. I get that totally. As someone who's not from the area, Kevin, it just strikes me how much you sort of really bought into Wrexham. And I don't know if this is a complete coincidence, but I was watching the Beast Cam DVD not so long ago. I'm pretty sure I spotted you in the crowd at the Grimsby game. Is that right? Uh, uh, the FA Trophy final. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there, yeah. But not... Um, Bloody freezing as well, wasn't it? Um, I remember being <laughs> down and, and uh, yeah, it was. God, dear, what? A, well, you, like you say, you guys digging yourself out of snow. Oh, I didn't realise you know at the time how difficult it was for everybody to get there. But um, yeah, I remember um, uh, that. That just goes to show what a bad wardrobe I've got. I still got the barber jacket in the wardrobe, <laughs> so um, that's not that's not great to admit that, is it? But uh, yeah, it, it, it was terrific. I remember, like you know, I used to speak to Andy and obviously help get. Uh, Kevin Thornton to the club and what have you like so just to um, you know for you guys to win it on the day and to, to see the joy and, and, the, and the pleasure it brought to everybody was fantastic and uh, yeah it's a terrific day and like I say then I get the chance to manage manage the club it was a dream um, just sorry I couldn't <laughs> emulate that <laughs> Kevin, can we talk more about Stoke? Because the one yeah. thing that stands out for me there is putting Mark Carrington in an attacking mid role, which I don't think he's played every every position for us. To put him there for that, I mean, obviously you scored the goal, but that was a bit of a masterstroke. How did you come up with that? Um, we, we were lucky enough to be a, like I wanted to make the most of it and go and watch him as much as I could, and they you know they looked after us really well. And uh, me and Gary used to whenever they had a games, uh, uh, you know, again the lovely people at Stoke, and there's a real connection, obviously, isn't there, between Wrexham and and, and Stoke, uh, Stoke. And um, you know, we went to watch them. I think Carl came as well, and we, you know, we kind of done our homework and how we should set up. And um, you know, looking back on it, we played Connor up front on his own, didn't we? And, and uh, we, we left Malty out. And Connor, you know, we didn't want Connor to go up, and, you know, and play to, you know, start chasing everything down. And he, he could be a little bit uh, bullet a gate kind of thing, and, and just to conserve himself and allow them to have it in their final third. You know, we had to sit deep and, you know, just just try and stifle them for for a period. Um, you know, do the things that people want to do when they come to the race course and make life difficult and trying to get the crowd a little bit working against them. We had obviously 6,000 people in the end, didn't we? Um, and, you know, um, it kind of, you know, it came, it sort of came together. You know, Duf, I think he, I think he started and wasn't fantastic. Uh, I've got a foreign boy on the, on the left-hand side that had a bit of a moment against us. You know, then Wes goes and, Wes goes and hits the bar, doesn't he? Breaks away and hits the bar, and you think you're in the game. And um, 
yeah, just like to take the lead like we did and all of a sudden you, you know you're minutes away from achieving what would have been a mighty upset. Um, you look across and, you know, you see the crowd, you're thinking 6,000 people that are now, you know, my brother was in the crowd and uh, it, it was fantastic to, to, to feel that, you know, what is it, probably about 15 minutes and then they bring the big guns on in, I think John Walters came on, didn't he? Peter Crouch, mm-hmm. Stephen Ireland came on, I think, as well, didn't he? Or, or was it Arnautovic? Anyway, you know, um, yeah, look, we were able to watch him on several several occasions, kind of do our homework. Carl pulled together um, a decent video session on them. Um, but clearly, you know, we were very, very close to pulling it off. It, it, you know, it worked for us on the day. Jay Harris was fantastic. Uh, I think Manny and Blaine had terrific games. James Pearson done, you know, they all done, they all done fantastically well. And I, I remember, I think it was at one nil, and James Pearson all of a sudden there's a rush of blood, and he sets off up his up the right hand side, and he pretty much turns right across the halfway line, then turns right again down the left hand side, and you just wanted him to stay at home and just hold it together. He got a little bit carried away at a certain moment there, that kind of sticks in my mind. But um, look, it was. It was great fun. It, I think it made the club a few quid and, and you know, helped to, to, to move us the way that we wanted to go financially. And I hope everybody, you know, like I say, enjoyed it. I just gutted we didn't see it through and win the game. No, it was a good, one of the best uh, best top five Wrexham away atmospheres. I, it was just brilliant. 6,000 yeah. there, it was bitterly cold. Very yeah. bad. Oh, but, but you know, it's, it's cold at the Britannia Stadium anyway, but I think it was <laughs> yeah. like, like first week of January. But fair play. The performance warmed us because it was for for eighty five minutes. I, I think, you know, we we were playing a third choice keeper, and you know, so maybe that didn't, maybe that sort of helped. But I don't want to blame the lad too much. Do but you, but do, you know, do you remember John Flatter's shot? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tremendous. Not not the game to have an air shot in, was it? But so you got one over it, bless him. <laughs> if I could relive, like. One moment, though, supporting Wrexham, it was when that goal went in. Because I think I moved, like, several rows down. I looked back, I was like, how did I end up here in the celebrations? It was just absolutely mental. Uh, my brother was in there and, uh, you know, he was, you know, he, he lives down the other side of London, but uh, to come up and be a part of it. And, you know, he absolutely, loved, you know, loved every moment of it. Just to be, you know... And you've got all that to look forward to, I think. But, you know, like I say, with the new owners and what have you like, you're going to get more days like that. And it must be very exciting times for everybody at the club now. Yeah, I think if you, you, you can ask any Wrexham fan of a certain age, especially those that are, that have only followed the club during the sort of non-league era, um, the, those of that age will always point to that game being their highlight as a, as a fan since, since supporting the club. Maybe that that puts everything else into into insignificance in terms of where we are, and, and, and you know we've been here for fourteen seasons and counting now, or thirteen seasons and counting. They always point to that game, not just as a as a fleeting moment of taking a lead, but everything that went before it. Again, it it was the occasion, and we played the game and not the occasion. That was so obvious in the in the level of performance. And yes, it was close, but no scar. But well, I like what Liam and Andy said. I mean, the atmosphere that day, I don't know what it was. You just kind of felt that, you know what, we're, we're going to have a crack. We're going to have a crack. And we did have a crack and, and everybody yeah. knew about it. And yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a lot of us, we're, we're, we're all of us, there's, there's, there's a couple of us in this group that are of a certain age and we've been to, to a fair, f- fair few places over the years. But 
yeah, I mean that that itself. But when I go went in, it was absolutely bonkers. And I think yeah. I turned to I turned to my right, and I saw feet in the air as opposed to <laughs> arms. It's kind of gives you an idea of how berserk it was. It was literally the, the term of limbs. I could not believe it. It was wild. <laughs> Yeah, great, great time. So thank you so much for that one. Yeah, I, I, listen, it's nice that, that the work, you know, some moments along the way that people will hopefully remember. And um, yeah, just like I say, for another 10 minutes, it would have, uh, yeah. Great to look back. Yeah, absolutely. So from, from the FA Cup to the FA Trophy, let's just dive into it. Um, just take us through because, I mean... Uh, I think again, with, with the greatest respect to North Ferriby, the expectation from Wrexham fans was we should probably walk this or should be fairly comfortable. It didn't pan out that way, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll come to that. But just say what what was the general feeling in the camp at the time? Because I remember going to Torquay, and on the Torquay performance was was brilliant. It was such a professional display. Really put them to yep. the sword. Louis was in great yep. form. Um, yeah, and then it, it, I'm assuming all all prepar- preparations were spot on. But I mean, for whatever reason, well, I presume you went down, stayed the night before, etc. And then, yeah, confidence high. Yeah, very much so, as you as you as you would expect. You know, you're still wrestling with, with one or two bits. Surprise, surprise. You know, nearly everybody's fit and available on the day. Um, just you know, going back to the Torquay game um, and. You know, looking at how professional we were. I know Andy without harping on about it, putting his, you know, that, that we, we took the shackles off in the second half. It, 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 you know, in an article he wrote, uh, um, that wasn't the case. If you remember, it was blowing a gale end to end, and we knew we had to go and be really resilient in the first half. And that was the game plan that we would, you know, Dean and everybody else, Joe, carried it out superbly. We knew. You know, we limited Torquay's opportunities in, in that first half. We got the wind to our backs, kicking towards our um, of our fans, and uh, you know, for, I think first goal, Dean's put a fantastic free kick in. Multi's got on the end of it, and then I think I think Kieran got two, didn't he? And, and comfortably wrapped the tie up for us. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, that was a, you know a thoroughly professional performance. Um, and and then yeah, we you know there's no excuses. We should have gone to to Wembley and, and won the game. So one thing I do remember from from uh, Wembley was we. Um, I think Thomason was at right back, and I think their left winger was giving us a, a hell of a. He was great. To be honest, Saint Juice played the, the game. You know that, that was the game of his life, wasn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. He was. Mixed. You know, um, I know everybody. You know, uh, kind of the, the thing that people uh, throw at me is that the fact that I took Dean off, um, and I shouldn't have done that, but. You know, in hindsight, what I should have done, Tomo was getting hung out to dry. And, you know, you know, I said earlier when you're processing players and you're, you know, you're pro- sorry, profiling players as such and, and you're looking where their capabilities lie, you know, Tomo, with the greatest respect, that's the highest he's ever played, um, you know, and um, could he deal with that big occasion? What did it become a little bit too much to him? Probably yes on the day. You know, terrific guy, giving his all. But, you know, he came up against the man of the match. Um, hindsight, um, what I, you know, I know I felt what I should have done on the day. I should have stuck Wes on him. And Wes would have gone toe-to-toe with St. Juice pace-wise and probably thwarted a lot of the threat that he carried. Um, you know, so, you, so you're saying that you would have played Wes 
um, in in front of Steve Thomason and just give the other lad something to go back. Yeah. Uh, Wes would have Wes would have protected Tomo. Wes is incredibly clear, quick, and if, if I'd have detailed him to say, look, you just need to see him, make sure he doesn't end up, you know, shaping Tomo up one on one, and if you need to double up, and just just ex- you know, cut that threat out. And you look at both their third, second, and third goals. Both came from from down that avenue. I think Manny gets done for a cross in the second goal, and then Tomo lets his man get a cross in. You know where Koff really, you know, heads it down. It's not a great header, but it bounces softly into the net, and it's a poor moment. And you know we've 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 salvaged something out of it. Look, I can't I can't make any excuses about that. And um, great credit to North Ferriby that you know they kept going, and we gave them that little bit of belief. We gave you know the penalty with 15 minutes to go just gave them that little bit of belief. And you know when you're looking at players and you. you understanding, you know, have you got a bit between, can you see this out now and, you know, can we hold this together and, and, and stay strong together? And, you know, we came up short, um, but that's part of the process of understanding how far players can go, what they're capable of mentally and physically. Um, and, it, you know, it, it showed me a few things. Unfortunately, I'll get the sack the next day, so it didn't really matter. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was um, as I say, I can't make any excuses. We're you know, Wrexham, um, nothing to do with, there's no excuse. You know, I, sh- I should have got us over the line and, and we should have won the game. So I have to hold my hands up. Kev, um, you you're mentioned... laughing about it now, but <laughs> sorry. I mean, sorry, I... How... yeah, all I was going to say is, you know, you've got a smile on your face about it now, but what was it like to actually receive that call to say you've been relieved of your duties? Uh <laughs> I knew it was coming, Andy, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, it, 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 walking up the steps and having to uh, accept the loser's medal was kind of like walking to the gallows. Uh, we travelled back on the bus. Um, you know, my partner was with me and, and a lot of supporters. Yeah, I felt, you know, going back to going back to, to, to Les and um, people close to me, you know, at the club that had, that had done a lot for me, I felt I'd let them down. I don't like letting people down. And, um, yeah, it was it was it was really difficult. It was really tough, like getting up, you know, because I had to get up the next day. And we had all those games. We played sixty-one games that year, and, and the backlog that had built up didn't help us. And you know, whether there was any consideration given to that with, within the board's view on on sacking me, I don't. Obviously, not there wasn't. But we had to play. I think it was Dover on the Tuesday, so there, there wouldn't have been there would have been muted celebrations if we'd have won it anyway. Um, and like I say, you know, driving that, I had to get up at about something like five o'clock the next day to be into Wrexham to then take the lads and try and prepare them for the for the Tuesday. I kind of knew it was just like wait, waiting for that um, that call to come. And uh, yeah, it's not something, you know, I said to Gary, used to travel up with me and, um, you know, look, I'm getting sacked today. I knew that was coming and just... You know, it was. I'm not going to lie. It was difficult for me. It was a challenge for me, for my family. Um, but that's the, you know, that's the pond that I want to swim in, and that's where I want to go. And you know, I maintain. I look, you know, I sort of think, is me feeling sorry for myself? Where would I rather be, getting a sack gear or sat in the sat in the hospital like Paul Les was? And I'm so that keeps everything in perspective and, and makes me understand and kind of help me process it a little bit. The guy, you know, the guy at. Um, uh, at, at, when, I, when Barry came in and sacked me at, at, uh, at Collier's, he was a cleaner, a lovely guy. 
and when I said <laughs> when I said I got the sack, he burst into tears, bless him. And he was just a really humble guy, like that. Um, you know, and just just a down to earth guy that I used to speak to because we were last to leave out of out of college most days, and he'd be in there, you know, cleaning up and just you know, you know, hopefully had a bit of a bearing on it and, and treated treated people in the right way. You know, whether you're a cleaner or whoever you are, like you know, it's uh, it's important for me that I treat people and try to you know conduct myself in the right way and, and that give me a chance to move forward. Lots to discuss um, on uh, how you left Stephanie Kev, but I just wanted to pick up on something that you mentioned, probably about your one of your most controversial decision in the FA Trophy final. Um, I'm just going to quote from uh, that article from shameless tabloid hack Andy Gilpin. Uh, <laughs> sorry for this, Andy, but I just want to, oh, you know, why not? Under the bus. <laughs> He said, you, you said you took off experienced captain Dean Keats because the Dragons weren't controlling the game. I think it's because you thought the game was won and you wanted to give young Robbie Evans a taste of Wembley. That showed North Ferriby United disrespect and my, did they capitalise on it? Is that, is that what, do you recognise that or is that just not true? I wouldn't disrespect anybody. Billy, he's done a fantastic job at, at North Therapy. I, you know, my, my honest uh, reason for taking Dean off was, you know, how snapping Wembley can be. You know, Dean was getting to the twilight of his career. Robbie, uh, young and more energetic, um, doesn't have Dean's game know-how. So from that perspective, I totally get why, why it would have been questioned. But Dean wasn't really affecting the game then and I wanted to bring more energy to us. Um, forget the name of the guy that was that was playing in there. That was again was quite effective. He's he, he's quite an athletic boy. Um, I, th- I think that you know personally, there were was that fair? I, I wouldn't treat any team with disrespect. I just just not what I'm about. You know, we've all got a job to do, and we all try to do our very very best in whatever it is. And I never take never take things for granted and leave us under underprepared or think that that it was done and dusted. It's, I've had too much experience of, um, you know, games moving away from me late on to 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 think anything else, and I certainly wouldn't be disrespectful of a place like Wembley. I'm, you know, when you don't know when you're going back there next, and and it's not a place that you want to be losing, and certainly when you know your job's on the line. So, um, you know, I'm making those decisions for, for what I felt were the right reasons, albeit you know it, it it didn't pan out. That was probably, as you say, not just Andy, but most kind of hold me over the coals for that for that decision. Um and everyone's entitled to their to their opinion, you know, on on that situation. But I certainly that's not that's not in my makeup to be disrespectful and, and um take things for granted. I couldn't agree with you more, Kevin. Just so thanks very much. Absolutely Bob two footed. Look the only thing I would say about that is Kevin, you win that game. You're the you're the Rex manager for the next five years. You've got Robbie Evans, who has played at Wembley, who is full of confidence, who is growing as a player. I think you know. I I, I think that's that. It, you are a couple of goals up. I do think that could that would enter my mind. Yeah, yes, you know you you're entitled to, to to your opinion. Of course, you are, and you you know I get why you. You know, you, I do understand why you said that. Um, you know, I sort of reflected on it a few times, and I've never, I've never actually watched the game back as a as a fool. So, you know, sometimes your your recollection of situations can be um, a, a little bit misty 
Um, and probably that's what I would need to do. But look, it isn't going to change anything you know, moving forward. You made the decision as a manager. You've got to get those decisions right. If that was the reason that we that we didn't didn't win, I have to hold my hands up and understand it and take it on the chin. That, that's where it is. So um, listen, I'm no issue. It's about opinions, and every you know all, the five of us will have you know five different opinions on certain situations. So look, no, I've, I've no issue with it as such. But you know, I just. Probably the only issue I have is that you might have thought I'd have been disrespectful, which I'm, I don't think I am. That was part one of our interview with uh, Kevin Wilkin. Please do uh, download the podcast next week for part two, where Kevin goes into a little bit more detail about sort of why his departure left a bit of a sour taste in his mouth and there was a contractual dispute and, you know, it, it clearly um, got to him a little bit, um, which was uh, really sad for him. But it's a, it's a, it's a great insight into that time at Wrexham. Um, no Mighty Heroes this week because Liam is absent. Um, we will be picking... Uh, the manager who's going to lead our mighty heroes, our best 11 uh, of the last sort of 30 years or so, which we've picked and we did the subs last week. So email us in, let us know who you think should be the manager. Um, we will be making the case for each of our managers next week. You can email us in at fearlessindevotion at gmail.com. Um, and Andy, what are we going to be doing after mighty heroes? So we are going to look at the darker side of Rex FC players. And I think we're going to call it the shitey heroes. Um, we're going to look at... What about gonna... the swearing? We're not allowed to swear, apparently. Okay, can you beep out shitey there, please? Uh, no, well, well, I'm shitey because it's one of those, isn't it? You know, Shitey's all right, exactly. surely. Your dad exactly says shitey, doesn't he? <laughs> If you're a Wrexham fan and you've never described any Wrexham game as shite or shitey in the past five or ten years, then you're probably a liar. Yeah. Oh, so, you're definitely a liar. So, but what we're going to look at, we're going to look at an 11 who, yeah, some of them will be very poor players who only played a couple of games for Wrexham. Some will be players who didn't, who were good players, but didn't really make it at the Dragons. Yeah. And you can email us in and tweet us that too. Uh, looking forward to that one. But for now, uh, thanks for downloading. Once again, we do appreciate it and see you next week. See you later.